the Liberty Cast with Big E, the man who makes the founders seem like moderates. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Big E with the Liberty Cast, and uh, today we're going to talk about uh, some issues having to do with the Second Amendment, as usual. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, John McCain and his, uh, his funeral and the coverage thereof. And also, I want to touch on ESPN and Max Kellerman and a reaction to uh, something Tiger Woods said about Donald Trump. And uh, if there's time, we'll get into some quick hits as well. But uh, that is the rundown for today. So let's go ahead and get started. Round one. So uh, earlier this week, uh, it came out that NPR actually investigated uh, a claim by the U.S. Department of Education. They reported that 235 schools reported at least uh, one incident involving a school-related shooting in the 2015-2016 school year. NPR, of all places, actually tried to substantiate this claim. And in the course of their investigation, they found that of those 235 uh, reports, 161 of them reported that no such incident took place. And 59 could not be confirmed or denied. Now, of course, if 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 a school shooting actually did uh, occur, uh, they would have been able to confirm it without any hesitation whatsoever. They were only able to confirm 11 of those reported incidents and four were completely miscategorized and therefore irrelevant. But they were only able to confirm 11 incidents. Now, this isn't the first time something like this has happened. Um, Shannon Watts's uh, group, uh, Every Town for Gun Safety, uh, funded by Mike Bloomberg, they've routinely inflated numbers of school shootings in their reports. Usually what happens is they, they, they take a shooting that occurred near a school uh, or off uh, hours from school and um, not involving students or school personnel at all and include it in that statistic merely because it happened near a school. In fact, there was an incident where a man committed suicide on the grounds of a school, um, and it got included in their report. The school had been closed for seven months. There were no students. There were no teachers. The, the, school, like, it, the school's closed. Now, according to the definition of a school shooting on Everytown's website, that actually fits because their definition states that any time a firearm discharges a live round inside a school building or on a school campus or grounds. Now, the government's definition is more reasonable, and they say that any discharge of a weapon at a school, school-sponsored events, or on school buses is the definition of a, of a school shooting. The group Every Time for Gun Safety has an agenda. The report that NPR investigated was compiled under uh, the Obama-era Department of, Department of Education, and obviously they have an agenda as well, or they had an agenda while they were uh, in power. Any school shooting, obviously, is unacceptable. Any mass shooting is unacceptable. We all understand that something needs to be done, but inflating numbers like this doesn't help. It hurts their agenda, as a matter of fact. Because after something like that, 
after they get caught inflating their numbers, who can take them seriously? I mean, I haven't been able to take every time seriously since I first heard about them. And I obviously haven't been able to take Shannon Watts seriously because she's she's just a shill for Mike Bloomberg and his his organization. So who can really take them seriously? I know I can't. And I don't think any reasonable person really can. Let's 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 just be clear here. I beat up on Shannon Watts a lot. I beat up on that organization. I, I think she's involved with two or three Bloomberg funded organizations, and I beat up on them quite a bit. But I think I agree, and I think that most reasonable people would agree that something does need to be done to curb the number of uh, mass shootings and school shootings that 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 are happening. Even though that that trend is it's trending down, but you never would really know it because of the the coverage that they that they tend to get. But taking the guns away from people like you and I is not the way to do it. Putting more laws on the books is not the way to do it. Lying about the number of shootings is not the way to do it. I've said it before and I'll continue to say it. If we enforce the laws that are currently on the books, the number of these incidents will drop precipitously. And that actually dovetails into another point. You notice how the shooting at uh, Jacksonville Landing pretty much disappeared from the news cycle. You know why? Because it didn't fit the narrative. Maryland has some of the most restrictive gun laws in the country on par with California and those in, uh, in Chicago. Yet this guy was able to purchase his guns legally. Why is that? There were 26 calls for service to his home and he had a history, history of being treated for mental illness. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Also, in the course of his treatment for mental illness, he was hospitalized twice for psychiatric illness. So that alone makes him a prohibited possessor of firearms. And if it had been reported by his doctors properly, it would have been in his background check when he went to go buy that gun. And he would not have been able to do it. But because it wasn't handled properly by his, by his doctors, he was able to legally buy the gun and kill two people in Jacksonville and injure 10 others. It could have been prevented because he and everything about it supports what I just said and what I and others have been saying all along. If the laws are enforced, if the guidelines are followed, the ones already on the books, this could have been prevented. Of course, if somebody is bent on doing evil, they're going to find a way to do it. And no law that we put on the books is going to be able to legislate that evil out of them. And the sooner that the people on the left understand that, the sooner we can actually have a reasonable, rational discussion about how to handle things like this. Okay, um, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we get back, uh, I'm going to touch on um, the John McCain funeral and all the coverage that, uh, that we saw uh, surrounding that. See you on the other side.
Welcome back to the Liberty Cast. I'm your host, Big E. And uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but given the amount of coverage that we were inundated with uh, over the past week, uh, I feel like I have to say something about it. Round two. My mother always said that uh, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And that was why last week, uh, when I paid tribute to John McCain, I limited my remarks to condolences and an RIP. But this coverage that we've that we've been subjected to over the past week is just over the top. And I feel like they opened the door. So do you remember back in 2008, 2007, 2008, when John McCain and Sarah Palin were running for president against Barack Obama? Do you remember the things that they said about them? About how he was a racist, they were racists, they were Nazis. And now, 10 years later, the left is lionizing this guy. The flip-flop from the press is kind of jarring. But when you understand why it's happening, it makes a lot more sense. And the only reason that the left is exalting this guy to to this level is that he has demonstrated the same hatred for Donald Trump that they do. And even in death, John McCain has proven himself to be a bitter old man, incapable of rising above the fray and, and, and being the better man. He banned Trump, Palin, and other officials from his campaign uh, back in 2008 from the funeral. He banned his ex-wife from the funeral. And to me, that's a move unworthy of someone who's been uh, put on this pedestal. He's supposed to be an elder statesman. So you would think that he could rise above the squabbles that uh, that he's had over the years. And don't get me wrong, his his beef with Donald Trump is is legitimate. He had a right and his family had a right to be upset with Donald Trump and some of the things that he said, especially during the campaign. But you would think that with the end being near, him being diagnosed with brain cancer, him being 80 years old, you would think that he'd be able to 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 rise above and just let some shit go. And I mean, uh, there are rumors that he blamed Sarah Palin for him not winning the election in 2008. I I think that is totally misguided. But banning her from his funeral is just another example of him being a petty and mean, bitter old man. So and getting back to the, the coverage leading up to his funeral and the funeral itself. Well, as an aside, let's just take the, the, the flap over the flag flying at half staff, which, by the way, Trump did nothing wrong, according to. Chapter 175, Section M of the U.S. Flag Code, which states that uh, the flag shall be flown at half staff the day of death and the following day for a member of Congress. So you have that and and all the the hay made of that. And then you have the left actually taking the opportunity of John McCain's funeral to bash Trump. And even his daughter joined in, which I just find baffling. I, mean, I, I like Meghan McCain. And it just seems that she has proven um, t- 
to be as bitter as as her old man. Now, I'm going to chalk most of that up to her grieving and we'll see how things uh, we'll see how things progress uh, with her as 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 time goes on. So I'm not going to beat up on her too much about that. But um, the other people on the left have have taken the opportunity to to bash Trump. And um, they did the same thing at Aretha Franklin's funeral. But let, let's not kid ourselves. Regardless of what party he was affiliated with, he was a leftist. He portrayed himself as this, this principled conservative, this, this maverick, quote unquote. The irony of that is, is just silly. But uh, I'll leave that alone for the time being. But he was pretty far from a principled conservative between his positions on abortion, immigration, his statements about Christians being agents of intolerance, and one of his signature pieces of legislation, the McCain-Feingold Campaign Reform Act, that was little more than a thinly veiled attack on the First Amendment, not something generally done by anyone who would call themselves a principled conservative. All right, I'm going to let that go and... uh, Go ahead into another break. And when we get back, uh, we will talk about ESPN, Max Kellerman and his his issue with Tiger Woods. Back to the Liberty Cast. I'm your host, Big E. And uh, I wanted to talk about Max Kellerman and his issues um, with something Tiger Woods said uh, last week. Round three. Now, in case you haven't uh, picked up on this, I am a huge boxing fan. And Max Kellerman used to be one of my favorite boxing analysts and sports analysts in general. He was always very smart, always very, um, always was able to, to get his points across, uh, clearly. And I just enjoyed his analysis, especially when it came to boxing. He was very knowledgeable about the subject and I really appreciated that. But ever since ESPN became just another left wing news outlet, Max Kellerman decided to let his progressive freak flag fly. And then he became one of my least favorite analysts this past week. He uh, he jumped all over Tiger Woods for saying this. Well, he's our he's the president of the United States, and you have to respect the the, the office. And no matter who's in the office, uh, you may like, dislike um, the personality or the, the politics, uh, but we all must respect the office. That's funny. I seem to recall everyone on the left saying the exact same thing, almost word for word whenever anybody criticized Obama. Now let's check out uh, Kellerman's response. To say that the office, you must have respect for the office. Tiger, be clear. Are you saying that the office therefore confers respect onto its occupant, its present temporary occupant? No, what the, what the, having respect for the office means 
principally, in my view, is the office holder should have respect for the office. Well, we we are all that. set to a standard. We're held to a standard of behavior. We at our jobs, right? People in their, in their daily lives. Mm -hmm. The president, if anything, is held to a higher standard of behavior. It is not such that we have such great respect for the office that no matter what the behavior of its occupant, we must therefore respect its occupant because of the office. No, Tiger Woods is being, is, you said being slick. Here, he's being slick. We must respect the office, therefore that confers respect to the occupant. Tiger, is that what you're saying? If that's what you're saying, that is a stupid comment. I don't think what Tiger Woods said was a thoughtless statement. I don't think it was a stupid comment. In fact, I'm, I appreciate that Tiger Woods did his best to, to sidestep the issue and, and not to uh, inject himself into political, political debate like a lot of these other sports figures like LeBron James and, and whoever else because nobody cares what they have to say. Laura Ingram wrote a book uh, years ago called Shut Up and Sing, and I, I agree completely. Shut up and dribble, shut up and sing, shut up and throw, shut up and hit. Stick to what you know, and that's sports. Having said that, I actually agree with Kellerman on pretty much everything he said right there that as it pertained to uh, Donald Trump and the, and the office of the president. Because, in fact, I said the exact same thing about Barack Obama needing to have respect for the office. And I based that on the fact that I didn't think he had respect for this country, let alone for the office that he held. And my criticism was leveled against him based on his ridiculous, radical left wing policies. My criticism was based on the fact that regardless of what you think of whether or not he was he was born here but he wasn't raised in the united states and he wasn't raised by people who love the united states so there was no possible way he could have any respect for the office for the country for our traditions and values so whether you like trump or not you can't question his love and respect for this country or any questioning of that is based solely on hatred of him and not for any policy, executive order or law that he signed. So this just reinforces my contention that uh, Max Kellerman is one of my least favorite uh, sports analysts, because when I'm watching sports, I don't want to have to deal with any politics and I don't want my broadcasters whose background is almost exclusively sports to try and inject themselves into the political sphere, either stick to sports or go into journalism and be a, a journalist in the political arena. Okay. On that note, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a small break. And uh, when we get back, uh, we'll close it out and get you out of here with some quick hits. This is the Liberty Cast, and uh, let's get into some quick hits. 
Okay, one thing that irritates me more than just about anything is the left's incessant need to paint everyone who doesn't agree with them as a racist. Now, last week, Ron DeSantis, he uh, he won the GOP nomination uh, for the gubernatorial race in in Florida and his opponent, a man by the name of Andrew Gillum, he's the mayor of Tallahassee uh, and he's a, a left wing lunatic in the mold of Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, Ron DeSantis made uh, made some comments, uh, most notably this one. Take a listen. The last thing we need to do is to monkey this up by trying to embrace a socialist agenda with huge tax increases and bankrupting the state. That is not going to work. That's not going to be good for Florida. The only way that could be construed as racist is if you look at everything through the racist prism. I, when I first heard it, I thought maybe it wasn't artful, but after listening to it, it's not even that. It, the, the, there's no way any reasonable person can think that he is a racist based on that statement. I probably would not have made the point in that way, but come on. It's, anyone who thinks he's a racist based on that wants to think he's a racist, period. Last week, I talked about um, the Muslims who had that compound in New Mexico where they were training children to shoot up schools and they, uh, the body of one of the children uh, was found on the grounds. I also told you that they were uh, released basically on their own recognizance. It wasn't, wasn't that, but I mean, it might as well have been. Well, this week they were rearrested on federal firearms and conspiracy charges. Uh, one of the uh, women was a Haitian national and she was here illegally. So she was charged with being uh, an alien unlawfully in possession of firearms and ammunition in the district of New Mexico from 2017, November 2017 through August of 2018. The criminal complaint charges the other four defendants with aiding and abetting uh, this person uh, in committing the offense and with conspiring with her to commit the offense. So justice prevails because I don't think that they're going to get released uh, after, after these charges. I think they're, they're all going to go to jail. Not long enough, not for a long enough period of time, but, uh, and in fact, the illegal alien obviously should be deported. But um, it's better than better than what we had a week ago. So, like I said, justice prevails. Aibo! Aibo! I don't know if you heard about this movie called First Man, uh, but it's uh, a movie about uh, Neil Armstrong and uh, the mission that led to him being the first man to uh, walk on the moon. Ryan Gosling is starring as uh, Neil Armstrong, and there's some controversy around this movie because they are leaving out one of the most iconic moments in American history. They're leaving out the moment when Neil Armstrong plants the American flag on the moon. Gosling said in an interview, he was asked about this and he said that he saw it more as a human achievement 
than an American one. Now, that's just ridiculous coming from the Canadian. But the American flag on the moon is by definition an American achievement. And the fact that anyone would say it was a human achievement, there, there were no other astronauts on that mission, uh, no, no other astronauts from any other countries on that mission, and no other country has put a man on the moon since. There's a reason the United States is the only country to have successfully sent men to the moon. That is by definition an American achievement. So how can they possibly say, how can they possibly leave that out and, and say that it was a human achievement and, and not have the American flag uh, be depicted in, in the movie, uh, being planted on the moon? It's just ridiculous. It's a Ryan Gosling movie, so I probably wasn't going to go see it anyway, the, despite the subject matter. But there's no way I'm going to see it now. I mean, because it's just it's just stupid. And I don't need, I don't understand how there's a lot of things about the left that I I don't understand. There's a lot I do. I, I get just from observing. But this is just ridiculous. And the fact that any American producers, movie studios went along with this is even more troubling. Human achievement. <sighs> anyway. Knockout. Well, folks, that's all the time we have today. So uh, I just want to thank you all for listening. And as always, keep your head on a swivel and stay safe, everybody. Thank you.